This is episode 291 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are Common Tactical Knife Myths That Can Get You Killed, Operational Security Part 1 Theory and Overview, and Conflicted, Past Catches Up With You, What Would You Do? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 291. Hey, before we get started, I just want to mention I did get a review on iTunes and really do appreciate it. Uh, Zach left a five-star review, and it's the words that really uh, mean a lot to me. I really do appreciate it. Um, he, he said, being relatively new to the prepping community, I became very overwhelmed with my level of unpreparedness to the point where I didn't know where to begin my prepping journey. This podcast has helped me to take a step back and identify what is really needed versus what is a luxury or not necessary. It's helped to put me at ease and reinforced in me the idea that prepping is a process and to take one thing at a time. Thank you for giving me a sense of direction and providing me with usable content and opinions. Keep up the good work. Hey, Zach, thanks so much for the five-star review and the kind words. This is exactly why I do what I do on the podcast and on Prepper website is to help other people get prepared and hopefully not to feel overwhelmed. And so I'm really glad that uh, the podcast is helping you out there and I'm hoping that it's helping other people that are new to preparedness and to the preparedness community. Um, if you are new and you're like, where do I start? On Prepper website, I have a link over on the right and it's kind of new within the last week or two. Uh, it says start here. And I have been writing articles uh, called Survival for the Common Man. Because, you know, a lot of the times if you're new to preparedness, you start getting the idea that, you know, you either have to be military, ex-military, or you have to be someone who is, you know, all into bushcraft and wilderness survival. And all of that is, is I mean, I love that, you know, that's that's fun stuff, at least, in, you know, in, in my opinion. But some people will see all of that and, and they're like, hey, that's not me, Um I want to let people know that I'm just a regular guy out there. You know, I live in the suburbs, suburbs of Houston. I have a family. I have a job. But I believe that preparedness is very important. And so anyway, I started writing those articles. They're over there on uh, on Prepper website. You can get to them easily uh, at the Start Here link. And then kind of click on it. And I just kind of walk people through. Like if you were new, if you were someone who said, okay, hey, I buy into this prepper uh, mindset. Uh, I, I understand that it's necessary. Okay, where do I start? And so I, re- I wrote these articles with that person in mind. And so I'm not finished. Definitely it's a series that's going to keep going right now. I've got some projects going on that's really taking up my, my time uh, other than you know the, the website and then the podcast. And hopefully I can share those things with you here really, really soon, like maybe next week. Um, but you know, I, I tend on or, or I want to, uh, I should say, continue that series. And I'm just going to continue doing that. You know, if I was walking someone through preparedness, what would I do? How would I go about doing it? And, you know, it's not always the things that you that you read about and see about out there, you know, the, the sexy stuff. So anyway, kind of want to throw that out there for anyone 
who uh, who is new. Maybe you feel overwhelmed. Maybe you realize there's a lot to do. And uh, just you know, go go check out those articles over there. That link at Prepper website. I'll I will link to that in the show notes just to kind of make it a little bit easier for you. But again, Zach, appreciate it, man. Uh, just words mean uh, your words mean so much to me. Thank you so much. Hey, uh, yesterday I released the uh, weekly Watchman on Ed that Matters, and I think I well if you if you're on the email list, you got an email this morning, and uh, what I said was there's some things here on especially the first video by John Haller, um, his prophecy update where he is actually talking about um, a podcast by Jan Markell. And uh, I, I talked about that earlier as well. I highly recommend you at least watching that first video because I think it's very important. And it's really gotten me to the point where I'm rethinking my social media, um, you know, all my social media contact. And not necessarily the contact, but at least what I'm doing out there in social media. And so, um, you know, hopefully you will go do that. I'm going to link to it in the show notes as well. If you, like I said, if you are on the email list, you got that this morning. And hopefully you've had a chance to look at that. Um, a lot of, you know, the prophecy update, uh, I guess the, the teachers and the preachers, they, they, they don't do so much preaching and, and teaching as, as much as pointing out current events that can apply to the Bible. And a lot of the times, like I said in the email, there are things that the mainstream media, even the alternative media, aren't really picking up on and important things that you might not hear anywhere else. And so, uh, you know, definitely would recommend if you have time to go go watch those. And, and a lot of the times I don't even watch them. I play them through YouTube on my phone as I'm driving, kind of like a podcast but I just, you know, that's that's what I do. I listen to them because I don't have time to sit down and watch all of them. But a lot of good stuff. So hopefully you go check that out. All right. So let's go ahead and jump to our first article of the podcast. Our first article comes to us from askaprepper.com. And this article is entitled Common Tactical Knife Myths That Can Get You Killed. And so, you know, sometimes you read something in an article about, you know, this is the way that you should do this. And sometimes it's not the right thing. And so this uh, article here, uh, is, you know, is very interesting. So hopefully you will find it interesting as well. So let's go ahead and start reading. The knife is one of those weapons that draws a lot of bullcrap to it. There is a lot of hocus pocus and hoopla focused around a weapon that's tens of thousands of years old. In reality, a tactical knife is a simple but brutal weapon designed for surviving and fighting. Today, we are going to demystify the tactical knife and break down six of the most prevalent myths regarding the tactical knife. So myth number one, tactical knives should be dull. This common myth is often considered a safety concern. Since the tactical knife is one that is likely to find its way into a fight, it shouldn't be sharp. The idea is that if it's sharp, it can cut you. If you're in a knife fight, you should only focus on stabbing anyways. This is far from true on so many different levels. If you can't handle a sharp knife safely, just don't carry a knife. In a fight, you have no idea what you are capable of doing. You may need to slash and hack at the limbs and hands of your opponent. Carrying a dull knife is like carrying an unloaded gun. What's exactly or what exactly is the point? Sharpen your knife, carry it with confidence, and be prepared to draw blood with it. All right. 
Next myth. So-and-so steel is the ultimate tactical knife steel. There is no ultimate knife steel. Some are surely better than others, but only by so much. It gets to a point where the steels are so such high quality, everything is just a compromise. At this point, ultimate is all about what works for you. Some steels are tougher, others allow a long-lasting, easy-sharpening blade, and others resist corrosion better than some. There are lots of considerations for tactical knives, and you'll have to really look at the dozens of different steels out there and decide what works for you and your situation. Until lightsabers become an actual thing, there's no such thing as the ultimate blade. Until then, if someone is slinging some miracle metal, I'd look into what exactly they are trying to sell you. The next myth is fixed blades are the only tactical knives. Fixed blades are traditionally the epitome of the tactical knife. This comes from the long traditions of military use. The times are changing the definition of tactical knife and tactical in general is changing. Guys like Ernest Emerson created lines of folding knives specifically built to be tactical in nature. So much so that several members of the Navy SEALs carry Emerson CQC blades of some kind or another. Let's not forget that automatic opening knives fit the definition of tactical quite well for police and civilians who need a quick access EDC fighting knife. The idea that a tactical knife has to be a K-bar hasn't been relevant since Desert Storm. Tactical knives are made well enough that they come in all shapes and sizes. As long as they are made well, quality weapons, they can fulfill the role of a tactical knife quite well. Alright, next myth. Gun always beats knife. Jimmy Hoffa once famous, famously said, Rush a gun and run from a knife. Regardless of where Mr. Hoffa ended up, his words had a point. I wouldn't advise bringing a knife to a gunfight if you can help it, but there are plenty of situations where knife beats gun. In extreme close quarters, a knife is an absolutely brutal weapon. It can stab, slash, and kill before a gunman can get a shot off. If your opponent's gun is holstered and your knife is sheathed, you still have an advantage at close range. You can draw the knife and rush a target. In most close-range fights, a vicious man with a knife can beat a well-armed man with a gun. I love my guns and carry one daily, but I also carry a knife daily. Having options is the best way to be, and since most places that restrict guns don't restrict knives, I like having that secondary option. Never underestimate a knife in the hands of both a skilled opponent or a violent amateur. Uh, until knives get uh, banned as well, say you know, tell that to London people in London. Don't even man, don't even want to go there. That is just idiotic. You, I mean, if if you are in London, England, I'm very sorry for that. Um, but if you don't live in London, England, you, you be very happy that you don't, and your leaders are not making stupid decisions. Um, I mean, there's still stupid decisions being made all the time here, but that is really stupid. So anyway, um, man, getting off on that tangent. And, and guys, there's there's a lot of stupid stuff going on. Um, just even before I got on the podcast, you know, I was going to talk a little bit about, you know, the whole thing with Syria and then ramping up and the war of words going back and forth. And uh, it could be bluffing, but at the same time, you know, things can get escalated very, very quickly. And uh, so, again, one of those things to watch. Um, okay, so let's continue on. Um, the next myth is stabbing equals instant death. 
Speaking of guns, one thing the gun world has embraced with open minds is shot placement. Shot placement is the ability to get rounds on target and into an effective zone. For some reason, knife guys and gals haven't embraced the same ideas. If you are armed with a knife and in a fight, you have to target your opponent as much as possible. Your strikes should aim to inflict maximum damage, cause pain, blood loss, and even total shutdown. The only way to cause this much damage is to train to target your opponent. Every slash and stab should be aimed at killing an opponent as fast as possible. You want to target major organs, arteries, veins, and other vital areas. Don't just depend on a lucky strike to end a fight. The idea of a knife fight is easily the most absurd myth regarding tactical knives. A knife fight ends with the victor dying in the ambulance and the loser dying in the street. That is all there is to it. A knife is designed to kill an opponent in a hurry, not for a delayed standoff, where the hero and the bad guy circle each other and throw the occasional slash. If you find yourself in a situation where it's a knife-to-knife fight, you're already felled. When you have a knife, you need to strike hard and fast. A knife should be a force multiplier, a weapon you use to gain an advantage or to close a gap. It's not made for honorable duels. When a knife is drawn, it needs to be used immediately. If your opponent draws a knife, start looking for a better weapon. You always want the advantage. Don't fight fair and be ready to get cut. Knives aren't hard weapons to use. Once the adrenaline's flowing, martial arts, katas, and techniques go out the window. It becomes about survival. It's about cutting, stabbing, and slashing an opponent. Tactical knives aren't hard, but stick to the facts and just the facts. All right, so there's about 23 comments here on this article. Uh, There's some links here. Um, that you might be interested in. Um, And, you know, I don't know, some people might not consider a a knife and and the use of knife, uh, a knife as a, as a weapon, as a defensive weapon. You know, I know a lot of people carry EDC knives and, uh, you know, they're very, very useful. You always see people carrying those around, but at the same time, you know, can you, do you, do you understand that that could be a defensive tool if you needed to? And uh, love that quote by, uh, by Jimmy Hoffa, rush a gun and run from a knife. Um, you think about how fast you can get a knife out of your pocket, especially if it's, if it's clipped on, onto your, you know, your pocket, and, and get it out, deploy it, especially if you have one of those speed assist knives, and then you're, you know, how, you, how quickly you have it in your, not, in your hand, and then you're able to confront anyone who has uh, you know, a gun. And uh, there's, you know, you can go to YouTube and do a little bit of searching and and find some videos where uh, you can see that gap between a knife and a gun closed very, very quickly in just a few seconds. So uh, if that's something that you've ever been interested in, go check that out on YouTube. Just go search it out. All right. So that's over at askaprepper.com. Our next article comes to us from timgamble.com. And Tim, uh, his article is entitled Operational Security Part 1 Theory and Overview. And uh, I will just say that just recently Tim shut down his Facebook. And uh, I was going to talk a little bit about that as as I go into this one here. Uh, Because operational security not only has a lot to do with uh, what you do in public and what people see, but also uh, it has to do with online because we are very much an online society now. A lot of people are on and, and people are just giving so many details about their life 
and that gives things away. You got to be a little bit more careful about what you're doing uh, when you're when you're on social media, and just be careful about what type of information you're putting out there. But Tim has decided to go ahead and shut down. Now I've um, I've never deleted my Facebook. Never have thought about deleting it. And I guess the reason why I wouldn't delete mine is because I still want to be in control. Um, I've heard and read that you know when you shut down your your Facebook account or you delete it, it still stays on their server. So they still have that you know access to that data. And so I would always want to be able to have that access and, and uh, you know, have it there. Plus, you know, one of the things, my strategy as far as my social media for my own personal, you know, Todd Sepulveda on Facebook, one of the things that I do is just uh, share out my devotional and share out um, scriptures and things like that. You know, that's that's pretty much so if you go to my Facebook for the last couple of years, that's what you're going to be seeing, you know, or, you know, there I might create a graphic with the scripture or something along those lines. Uh, I have Prepper website and I have the Prepper website Twitter and all that type of stuff. And so the, there are things that do get posted there that I do retweet or, uh, you know, reply to and those types of things. But it is, you know, under the brand name uh, Prepper website. But nevertheless, it's still it's still out there. It's still connected to me. But I'm, I am just a little bit more careful now, especially with all the new developments of what's been what's been happening. And uh, like I said earlier, when I was talking about the Weekly Watchman article with all the YouTube videos, I'm starting to really rethink my social media presence and, and what I'm doing there. And uh, I, I think a lot of people should as well. So when we read this article here about operational security, I, some of these things you can apply to online as well. And uh, I believe he touches on that uh, in this article. So let's go ahead and start reading this one. The following article is intended as an overview of operational security, or OPSEC, as it relates to preppers and survivalists. It is a simplified version of the OPSEC training that is provided to the military, national security agencies, government officials, and government contractors. I say simplified for two reasons. I've tried to remove most of the jargon, acronyms, and buzzwords of the military government training. My aim is to protect against nosy neighbors, local bureaucrats, and everyday criminals rather than enemy nations and terrorist organizations. If you want the flavor of military OPSEC training, I suggest starting with the operational security page of the U.S. Department of Defense Education Activity website. And there is a link here. What is operational security? In two words, information protection. In more words, keeping a critical information or keeping critical information away from those who do not need to know it or who may seek to use it against you in some way. OPSEC seeks to protect both your privacy and your security. The definition begs some questions. What is critical information? Who does and doesn't need to know that information? Who may seek to use that information against you and how? How can you protect that information from those people who shouldn't have it? OPSEC attempts to answer these questions through a five-step process. Number one, identify critical information. Answer the questions, what information do we need to protect? What do we want to keep private? What information could be used against us in some way? Examples of potentially critical information for preppers and survivalists include financial information, social security numbers, 
passwords and pins, medical information, political and religious affiliation, memberships in certain organizations like the NRA, GOA, Oath Keepers, Prepper Survivalist Groups, Tea Party Groups, etc., gun ownership, presence of valuable items in the homes like guns, gold, silver, cash, tools, electronics, etc., and purchases of large amounts of food and other supplies. It also may include certain plans when and where to bug out, home security measures, personal security measures, etc. What exactly you consider critical information will depend on your own personal circumstances and concerns. Number two is identify potential threats. Answer the question, who really needs to know this information? Everyone else doesn't need to know this information and represents a potential threat to abuse or misuse the information or unwittingly reveal the information to those who might. Examples of potential threats. Identity thieves, criminals, local bureaucrats, school officials, nosy neighbors, and untrustworthy family, friends, co-workers, etc. Even politicians and the government at all levels are potential threats. Look at the recent misuse of the IRS and DOJ to go after Tea Party groups and other political enemies of Obama. Doctors being encouraged to ask patients about guns in the home. Schools questioning students about their parents' political views, gun ownership, and other private information. Number three is identify vulnerabilities. Answer the question, how do potential threats get our critical information? The answer is we give it to them most often without realizing it. And guys, this is a big deal with uh, the social media aspect and really any service online that is free. You know, nothing is free. So they're they're doing something with the data. They're either learning about you or they... uh, uh, they're gaining insightful information about your about habits and, and things like that. So anyway, um, examples of how we give away our critical information. Public conversations can be overheard by anyone nearby. Private conversations can be revealed accidentally or on purpose by anyone involved. Our trash or recyclables can reveal our purchases, financial and medical information, even the supplies we are stockpiling. Nearby neighbors can physically see much of our activities and preparations. Children, especially young children, tell everything to their friends, schoolmates, teachers, neighbors, and other parents, even if you've told them not to. Social media and oversharing online, even if you are hiding behind a screen name or other fake identity. Sorry, you are never really hidden online. Smartphones and cell phones. All calls and texts are logged and it's crazy easy for folks with the technology and know-how to hack or track your phones even when they are in airplane mode or turned off completely. And that airplane mode, I, I can't remember if I talk, I've been talking about this with different people and so I, forgive me if I've mentioned this on the podcast recently, but uh, there was, and I need to try to find it, there was a, a report by Tucker Carlson of Fox News where one of their reporters, and this is on the Jan Markell podcast, and I believe you can get that. You can go back a couple of episodes uh, from 291, and you can find it. Uh, I, I link to it, and then John Haller talks about it in the in the Weekly Watchman. But anyway, so uh, one of the reporters put has two phones. They put them in airplane mode, which 
when you're in airplane mode, there should be no signals going out or anything like that, right? And so you, uh, this guy goes around, this reporter goes around all over town, very specific places. Like he goes to the children's hospital and he doesn't have to. And he goes to other places. He takes pictures, all that kind of stuff. All right. So then they wind up, uh, you know, they spend time out there. Then they go back to the studios and they go ahead and turn on the Wi-Fi so that they can access the Wi-Fi. And all of a sudden, all that information, it doesn't look like it from the phone, but it starts getting uploaded to Google. And so they're able to download Google, uh, all the Google information. And so this, the Google information that he downloaded had like his trips, like, you know, every stop that he made, every specific stop, it was very, very scary. And so, you know, wow. Anyway, so even if you have, so that's what, that's what Tim is uh, alluding to here. Even if you have airplane mode on, the minute that you go out to the internet for whatever reason, you start sending your stuff to Google. And uh, that's very, you know, for a lot of people, that's very scary. There's some people out there that you'll say like, well, I don't really have anything to hide. But the fact is, is that they're gathering this information. They, they're building a profile. And that's the scary thing because they're, they're, they're realizing your patterns, your profile, you know, who you are, and they're able to put all this into a big database, right? And so, uh, again, like I said, it's very easy to get freaked out when you start hearing stuff like this and just like, okay, forget it. I'm going back to maybe a flip phone or, you know, I'm going back, uh, I'm completely getting off the internet. The, the thing is, and one of the, I, I like what John Haller said about this. Uh, I mean, I didn't like it, but I mean, the, the analogy is, is that you can't put the genie back in the bottle. At some point, you know, it, it's the Internet technology. It's touching all of our lives at some point. And uh, so you just got to you, you got to be very, very smart on how you are managing it. And maybe there's some things that you need to do. I believe that you can opt out of the Google thing where Google doesn't uh, track your information, if I'm not mistaken, um, there are ways of doing that. And uh, I know that Eric Barger talked about that on the Jan Markell show, uh, or at least he talked, he alluded to it. And I believe he's created some videos. I, I really need to go do some more research on that. And if, uh, if I do, i just crazy busy right now. If I do, uh, I'll try to uh, sh- share those out with you. But if somebody else does some research or puts together an article, please let me know. And I'd love to be able to share that out. All right, so uh, let's continue on here. Gmail, Hotmail, Outlook, Yahoo Mail, and and all other free and many paid email services log and archive all email and will cooperate with authorities when asked to provide your information to them. It is also fairly easy to hack into most email accounts. Other technology, affinity cards, credit and debit cards, even modern library cards, log all activity which is then available to the company for their use or even resell government officials with warrants and sometimes without and even hackers. Number four is assess the risks. Answer the questions, what critical information is most important to protect? What threats are the most active? What vulnerabilities are the most likely to be or to reveal critical information? Not all information is equal. Some critical information is more critical than other critical information, meaning it can more easily or effectively be used against you. Not all threats and vulnerabilities are equal. Some are greater than others. Risk assessment involves a subjective analysis of importance of critical information and the likelihood that it can become compromised. 
most of the time and effort of OPSEC should be aimed at protecting the most important information against the most realistic threats. And number five, apply countermeasures. Answer the question, how can the bad guys be stopped from getting our information? This is probably why you came to this article, but you do need to understand all the prior information before you can figure out what countermeasures to take. This is because the first and most important part of protecting your critical information is to make sure that everyone in your family and group understands what information to protect. Share this critical information on a need-to-know basis only. Even within your family and group, not everyone needs to know everything. This doesn't mean that you don't trust your family or group members. Rather, the less people that know something, the less chance of it accidentally being revealed. If you have children in your family, you need to talk to them about not sharing certain information with non-family members. Teach them to respond to questions even from teachers and other authority figures about the family's finances, religion, or politics by responding, I don't know, and you'll have to ask mommy or daddy about that. Young children will need to be reminded of this often. Be careful about what information you share with and around your children. They do have ears. Additional countermeasures may include avoid public conversations or comments about critical information. This includes phone conversations in public. Shredding and burning of receipts, bills, and documents after they are no longer needed. Be careful of what trash and recyclables you leave at the curb. Even empty boxes may reveal to those nosy neighbors what and how much. Cautious use of social media, email, and text messaging. Realize that if you are emitting electronically, your use is being monitored, logged, and stored. Wise computer use. No illegal activities. Keep your operating system and other programs up to date. Use firewalls, antivirus, and anti-malware programs. Use privacy search engines such as DuckDuckGo and StartPage instead of Google, Bing, or Yahoo. Always take basic home, office, travel, and personal security precautions. Limit affinity cards. These can be great ways to get special deals, but it comes at the cost of allowing the company to collect information on you. This information may be used by the company, shared with its vendors, sold to other companies, or stolen by company employees or outside hackers. It could also be obtained by the government. This list only scratches the surface of the offset countermeasures you can take. I will expand on this list in several future articles. Tim is, uh, has started has opened up an account on Gab, and uh, that's over at Gab.ai. And you can find them at gab.ai slash Tim Gamble. And uh, Gab is is basically, it's kind of like Twitter, social media, but it is completely, you know, free from, you know, it's, it's free speech and, and all that good stuff. And uh, so you can go get a little bit more information about that. I believe, I don't know if it's open to everyone. At one point you had to uh, say you wanted an account and then it took a while. So like I remember when I did it uh, and I'm not active in it. But when I did it, it took uh, it probably took about two or three months for them to finally email me and say, "Okay, hey, your account, you can log in or register now, right?" And so uh, I don't know if that's the case anymore. But you know that that might be an option for those of us who want to be you know on social media and get information and consume content that way. But anyway, good article over here at Tim Gamble. I would recommend uh, you know as we see his other articles come out. We'll definitely post them on Prepper website, and uh, if I don't read them, I think it's a, here on the podcast. I think it's a great idea to go and get a little bit more information uh, about that. I just think that we are 
or we need to be a little bit more proactive and um, careful about what we're doing uh, and what we're saying, what we're putting out there. And, uh, you know, you can go all the way to the other extreme to where you're so cut off from everybody that you never want to talk to anyone and you never, you know, I don't think that's the way to live either. You know, like I said, uh, you just got to manage it and be smart about what you're doing. And like I said, on Facebook, uh, a lot of stuff is automated for, for prepper website stuff. The Facebook group, there's a couple of things that, that automatically get posted there. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, that's people are going and posting and, and things like that there. The prepper website Facebook page, that's pretty much all automated. Unless I you know uh, post a picture from Instagram and automatically send it to Twitter and, and uh, prepper website Facebook page. Um, you know, that that kind of stuff. But a lot of that is automated. Uh, so I'm not really sitting on social media doing that. Although, you know, I'm sure it's a logging all the articles that, you know, this the, the account is linking to. But when you're out there and you are, you know, it's your social media, be careful, be smart. Uh, and not only just on social media, but, you know, everywhere, whatever you're doing, um, you want to be careful about what you're throwing out there. Um, recently on the Facebook group, and maybe not recently, maybe about two months ago, someone mentioned, and so here's another idea, right? Another reason why um, you need to uh, have good OPSEC. Someone post, someone's uh, family member died, passed away, and so they did an obituary, and it was it was in the paper. And the paper, so of course, the paper has the obituary, and then it also tells when the uh, when the uh, the funeral is going to be, what time and, and place and all that kind of stuff. That's going on. People are at the funeral. They're grieving, you know, and maybe they go to a little reception at the church or whatever they do. And then they go back to the home of the person who is deceased and it was completely wiped out. And so what happened was thieves were were checking the obituaries and saw that, okay, this person died. And so that means, and here's the time, that means everybody that's in that house is going to be at that funeral more than likely. So they go and case it and they go and they steal everything. And so that's, you know, that's one of those things. And that came up in the Facebook group is, you know, be very, very careful. Maybe you don't want to put times and, and different things like that. Or if you do, then you need to leave somebody at the house uh, you know, a family friend or, or somebody that so it looks occupied so no one would want to break into it. So, you know, that's that's one of those uh, examples of OPSEC. And it's not necessarily social media. It's it's print where people, you know, were, were you know, lost uh, everything, you know, all their loved ones, you know, possessions because of uh, a funeral, you know, and because they they wanted other people to know what time the funeral was. So uh, I, that would be very devastating, right? Can't even imagine that going through that, losing someone and then having to deal with all of that. But uh, that's what happens. And there's thieves and there's bad people that do that. And that's why we prep. And that's why you're listening to this podcast and you're getting information like this, uh, valuable information on how to protect your security. All right, guys. So that's at TimGamble.com. Go check that one out. All right, so because it is Thursday, it is, uh, or the Thursday podcast, I always read a conflicted scenario. And for those of you who don't know, conflicted is a card game with a scenario on the back that would cause you to have a conflicted, or make a conflicted decision. 
And so uh, there, there's some of them. You, here's the thing. A lot of the times people might say, oh, that's easy. I would never get caught in that situation. Or, or here's the easy answer on that one. Uh, some, some of these are made to be very difficult. And really, you need to think about it because there's a lot of different perspectives to come by. And so I would say to you, if you're listening and uh, you are someone who's been prepping for a while, uh, I would say listen to the scenario and don't just necessarily say, hey, okay, I would never find myself in that situation. Let's say you are in the situation and maybe you don't have your preps, but you know what you know of, of preparedness in whatever skills you have. How would you handle this situation? Now, I'll tell you, this one's not necessarily one with skill. This is one that uh, actually this this one might upset some of you because there's a couple of different ways you could go on this one. And so I post these on editmatters.com. So you can kind of hear the scenario and just kind of run with it and kind of process it. Or if you'd like to give your answer, you can come over to edthatmatters.com and drop it in the comment section. I'm going to go ahead and link to this one in the show notes as well. So let me go ahead and read this one. Conflicted past catches up with you. All right, here we go. Your group has managed to survive a catastrophic event, and in fact, you are thriving. The group has many individuals with essential talents that have helped the group be successful. However, one day, your only gunsmith, blacksmith, let slip that he was once convicted of child molestation. He has never given the group any hints of his past until now and has in fact been a core and valued member of the group. Do you forget his past and hope that his tendencies don't emerge again? Or do you expel him from the group and lose his skill set? Again, let me read it one more time. Your group has managed to survive a catastrophic event. And in fact, you are thriving. The group has many individuals with essential talents that have helped the group be successful. However, one day your only gunsmith or blacksmith let slip that he was once convicted of child molestation. He has never given the group any hints of the past until now and has in fact been a core and valued member of the group. Do you forget his past and hope that his tendencies don't emerge again? Or do you expel him from the group and lose his skill set? All right. And then so I also have another link in there that you might want to uh, click on. All right, guys, that again, that's called Conflicted Past Catches Up With You. Like always, I'm going to link to all of these articles in the show notes. And so what do you think about that one? How would you respond if that was you and you were in that situation? Um, a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things to consider there. All right. So, uh, guys, that is it for episode 291. Thanks so much for hanging out with me on this Thursday podcast. And uh, don't forget, if you have not signed up for uh, the email list, um, you can come over to Prepper website uh, or the Prepper website podcast. uh, Or actually, I even have it linked in the show notes now. And so you can just click on that link and uh, you can register for the the email list. And when you do, that automatically enrolls you in the free e-course, Building a More Self-Reliant Life. And so definitely would love for you to, uh, to get a hold of that. And, uh, you know, one of the things about email lists, it's something that Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, any other, you know, it's, it's not something that those people can change the algorithms on. It's not something that they can uh, manipulate at all. I mean, if you're on that email list, then you know that you're going to get sent email from me and it's going to come straight to your inbox. And, you know, it might come to your spam folder. 
uh, or you know, if you have that, so you might want to whitelist todd.sepulveda at prepperwebsite.com and that way you see it in your inbox. But definitely that is one way that I can communicate with you that uh, no one else can jack with. And so uh, that's one big reason why um, people have the email list, especially in the preparedness community, so that we can communicate with you if we needed to in in that way. But not only that, sending out great content and and a a lot of other good stuff. All right, guys. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.